Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. His name is Aaron McIntyre. If you sense a little bit more of a pep in my step, it's because I had my uh, hopefully last MRSA follow up just about an hour ago with my doctor. Got the packing taken out. Um, I can shower fully again. I've been like showering with half my torso out of the shower awkwardly for a week. You know, um, I, what, what is that doing to your shower thinking game? Because we know how many ideas there's been. No, yes, there's been no shower no, thinking no. game. <laughs> My brain can't can't manage to do both of these things. Can't manage to do the, the crane move from Karate Kid and, and, and be inspired at the exact same time. All right. So no book ideas then. <laughs> no, there's been nothing. Literally, mental, it's been a blank slate. Yeah. The mental picture that you just painted Steve in the shower doing that's not that's not too much of an exaggeration. Uh, thank God for handheld shower faucets. Memes forthcoming. Yes. Um, Yeah, those memes are forthcoming. You're right. The crane, the carving. Yes. (laughs) But um, things are looking good. Um, The the antibiotic has uh, kicked this thing's butt. Very little drainage, so I don't need any more packing. Um, We're going with just uh, gauze as a bandage until all of it is over with. Um, I can shower fully again. It might be another week or two before I can use any kind of deodorant. So it's kind of fascinating when our modern healthcare industry wants to acknowledge natural immunity and when it does not. We have uh, had mm-hmm. those conversations a lot the last few years on this show, right? So now they don't want to suture the holes up. They don't want to stitch them up. They want the body to take control. They want the natural immune system. Basically, my doctor said, your body will know when it is fully and sufficiently drained. And when it knows that, then tissue will grow on its own to fill up those holes and until that happens don't put any deodorant up there you know so I'm, i might be washing these th- these pits like a mother all right for the next week or two i'll do my best not to gross you guys out you know, have you noticed anything even the last week i mean i've i've i have used um you know some uh you know like the wipes you use on your on your baby's bottom when you're cleaning them you know Mm-hmm. Uh, I've used some of those wipes around where the gauze is to just keep that because I've been working out now again this week. So I've been using those wipes in that area just to keep it somewhat clean and sterile so I didn't come in here smelling, you know, like, well, not good. I've been relying on science's six feet of separation, as fun. you can see. Social distancing. Yes, we have been distancing <laughs> yes. appropriately. Yes. Yeah, so, but uh, shout out to uh, uh, my Dr. Steinmetz did a great job for me over the last week. So... Maybe we're on the backside of this ordeal, man. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm just hoping so. So, uh, but I did get the all clear. Um, not, I, I was, I wasn't that doubtful. I would, but um, I just wanted to make sure I got one last all clear. I'm going to be heading to New York State after the show tonight or this afternoon, uh, because I'm going to be speaking at a Moms for Liberty event there in Rochester tomorrow. I'll see our friend Shannon Joy. Nice tomorrow in say person. Hi to Shannon. First time we've, I think, ever seen each other in person, actually. So, uh, flying up there right after the show here this afternoon. So, and then I'll be doing the show from there, uh, tomorrow when we're here for the day group. All right. Coming up on the show today, uh, three non-political questions for theology Thursday. There is a fantastic analysis of our movie nefarious from a woman who's a writer over at the stream that I want to, I want to share because I just think it, 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 does a fantastic job of theologically breaking down our movie. And I, I just want to tell you, um, 
this week is going to decide with with another glut of films coming this week, another one next week, Guardians of the Galaxy the following week. This week's going to decide how much we survive. All right. Um, I mean, we'll still be in theaters next week for sure. It's just a matter of how many we will still be in next week. So this is the week where um, we got to have a showing, you know, probably as good as what we had opening week. And that's where we need you guys, you know. So um, and I've gotten so many emails from people that have gone and seen it three, four times, taken multiple groups to see the movie. I mean, that's it's incredible. I mean, the feedback from this film, I, I don't have permission to use his name, but you guys overheard a phone call I had right before we went on mm-hmm. the air with a guy who is a, who's very, very influential in the Christian right and really has been for you and I, pretty much you and I's entire lifetimes, Todd. And uh, he had a chance to go see the movie yesterday and he was talking about how he was just completely blown away. My peeps in Arkansas are driving around yeah. in cars with nefarious yeah, on Yeah, somebody in Hope Springs, Arkansas, decked out their car like you would like if your team goes to the state tournament or yeah. you, you just got married. Little pig suey, yeah. way to represent. De- decked out their car with go see nefarious. I liked that. That was very, very cool. So uh, whoever you are, I don't know your name, but uh, if I did, I'd give you individual props, but thank you for that. Very honored. So the reaction we have received from people who have actually seen the movie has been absolutely overwhelming. Father Carlos Martins sent us a note this morning. He said, I'm, I mean, I'm just getting inundated with conversations and questions about this film more than anything else happening right now. Um, so we're hoping that that in, the increase in buzz uh, translates uh, to better ticket sales this week for week two. Um, and um, it's it, the amount of you that have messaged me. I took uh, my friends and family members who are unbelievers and the conversations we're now having um, believers. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm inspired, encouraged now that I'm more aware of what is happening around me. And uh, it's a tremendously impactful film. It's also just a really good film. It's just a, it's a good movie to watch. It, 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 it's fun sometimes. It is not fun all the time. That is for sure. But it's really just a darn good movie. So thanks to all of you that have seen it already. And uh, please consider uh, seeing it again this weekend, telling everybody you know about the movie. And uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so very much. And if you want to see if we held on to the theater in your area, go to nefariousTickets.com. Again, that's nefariousTickets.com. Or you can check your Rotten Tomatoes, Fandango, etc. All right, so we'll get into that for Theology Thursday. Um, and then we'll have... I completely forgot. Who was on the show at the bottom of the hour? Uh, Becker. How did I forget Kyle Becker? He's only a native Iowan. I, I literally know. just forgot. I was about to say it, and then my my mind you, went blank. You've pretty much been nonstop busy since you walked in the door. I, I, so I got I home from yeah. small group last night at nine, about 9 o'clock, and the, my wife, told, I sat down to watch all my path to the drafts on the NFL Network that I had recorded this week. Wife told me I didn't last 10 minutes into the first episode and I was passed out. And then I slept like nine hours, which for me is a lot, you know, so. If it makes it feel any better, uh, I didn't even look at the rundown that you sent out yesterday, so I didn't know that Kyle Brecker was on the show today either. Oh, there Does you it go. make you feel better that your employee wasn't literally doing his job? It doesn't necessarily make okay. me feel better. Okay. No, not uh, maybe better-ish, uh, <laughs> but not really. No, but thank you for chiming in with that. <laughs> now I know. Now I know that you guys have my back or something. Yes. Uh, so uh, Kyle Becker will join us uh, a little bit uh, later on in the show here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Cold Civil War. 
The spirit of the age continues to do all in its power to get you to shoot back. The latest example of this went down earlier this week is The Daily Wire's Matt Walsh had not only his Twitter account hacked, but according to the Daily Wire CEO Jeremy Boring, he basically had his identity stolen, including 20 plus years worth of emails. Boring also said Matt's show was one of two of theirs on YouTube that was demonetized for refusing to use the pseudo pronouns of mentally ill individuals. But it didn't end there. Last night, Walsh was at the University of Iowa for a speaking engagement for Young America's Foundation, where he was, of course, met by a large mob of angry communists and demonic trolls, including the damn marching band. Some members of Antifa poured marbles on the floor near the staircases of the venue where Matt was speaking in hopes attendees would slip and fall down the stairs. The spirit of the age desperately wants you to shoot back. Don't. One man who apparently wants to avoid that cold civil war going hot is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who officially announced his campaign for president yesterday. You give me a piece of ground and a sword, and I am going to take back this country with your help, the help of all the homeless Republicans and Democrats and independents who are Americans first. Thank you all. RFK Jr. covered a lot more ground in his speech, including foreign policy and COVID lockdowns. More on that tomorrow on The Days Group. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky testified in front of the House yesterday to discuss the ever-changing nature of science. Director Walensky, in March 2021 on MSNBC, you stated that, quote, vaccinated people do not carry the virus. They don't get sick. Do you remember making that statement? Yeah, under the, I do, well, I remember such statements. I don't know if I remember that one. Okay, was that statement correct? At the time it was. It was a wild type uh, virus that we had. It was um, even before the alpha variant. It was the initial wild type virus. And all the data at the time suggested that um, people who were vaccinated, um, even if they got sick, couldn't transmit the virus to someone else. All right, is that statement still correct? Um, well, so we've had an evolution of science and an evolution of the virus. We have since that wild type virus had the alpha variant, the delta variant, now the Omicron variant and numerous subvariants since. That statement is no longer correct with the Omicron subvariants we have right now. NIH Chief Lawrence Tabak was asked in front of that same committee about the lab leak origin theory of COVID. I see nothing. I was not here. I did not even get up this morning. Whoops, wrong clip. I have no idea. All right. What do you know about the origin? I mean, you're the NIH. The, well, again, the, the, the origins, there are two prevalent theories, a lab accident or, as you say, a lab leak uh, versus uh, a zoonotic transfer um, from, from animals to humans. Um, in my mind, the available evidence favors the latter. Donald Trump issued a final warning to Ron DeSantis not to jump into the presidential race. Ron DeSantis is a young man who is not doing well against me in the polls, to put it mildly. I believe that if he decides to run for president, which will only hurt and somewhat divide the Republican Party, which we don't need, he will lose the cherished and massive MAGA vote and never be able to successfully run for office again. I believe that. If he remains governor, which is what Florida voters assumed he would do, it would be a whole different story. Just saying, but who knows? Anyway, here's a montage of the Trumps versus DeSantis on the issue of transgenderism. I don't give a shit. If you're an adult and you want to be trans and you do it, great. Yeah. If you're happy, you're productive. I actually Forcing don't it on give the a shit. Like, I'm like, fairly liberal the on the part. issue. And if you take a man and they dress up as a woman and you tell me I have to accept that they're a woman, then you're asking me to be complicit in a lie. And I just refuse to do that. 
Speak about North Carolina bathroom law in particular. Leave it the way it is right now. There have been not, very few problems. Leave it the way it is. If Caitlyn Jenner were to walk into Trump Tower and want to use the bathroom, you would be fine with her using any bathroom she chooses. That is correct. A couple quick pieces of data or polls that caught my eye. A new Pew survey finds 44% of childless individuals between the ages of 18 and 49 say it's unlikely they'll ever have children. The majority of that group, those childless adults younger than 50, cite the reason as, quote, they just don't want to have kids. A new Rasmussen poll finds 65% of U.S. likely voters think it's likely undercover agents provoked the Capitol riot. 46% now say very likely. That number's up seven points in just six weeks. And finally, Earth Day is Saturday. You know what that means. Deep in the woods of North Carolina, an extremist eco-group called Earth First bewails the violation of American nature. I want to mourn the loss of all the old growth trees I've seen and tell them that we love them and that we don't want them to die. We are deeply hurting in America. I think we are deeply craving answers. I think that we've lost our identity as we have evolved into technology and into industrialized society. Bring me to this cathedral. Bring me to those guys. Bring me to this rock that has the most incredible life. That makes me feel alive. I've looked at clear cuts and burnt forest and I've felt outraged, but I didn't scream and I didn't cry. And I need to. And that's what happened while we were away. Hmm. That's an oldie but goodie, man. Never gets old. And and along and that prompts me with another annual reminder. Don't celebrate holidays started by guys who murdered their girlfriends and composted them in their trunk. Pro tip. Pro tip. Yeah, let's that's the bad idea. That's that's the origin of your holiday. Not a holiday. It's something else. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our good friends at Eden Pure who continue to get outstanding reactions from all of you. Uh, so many positive notes of feedback I've gotten about them since they joined us a year ago. You can get their thunderstorm air purifier that doesn't just make the air smell better, but kills the, a lot of the bad stuff and the odors and the mold and the mildew and the bacteria and even some viruses that are in your air. Get all three units for under 200 bucks. They're filterless, so you'll never have to replace filters uh, with the cost out of pocket or even the time. Uh, that's a fraction of the cost of the other competitors in this space. Uh, whole home protection, all three units for under $200 and shipping is free. And shipping is free when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com and use the discount code Steve at EdenPureDeals.com. All right, let us let us get to the montage. And uh, 
I'm going to table the RFK stuff for now, as Aaron pointed out. He's going to get his own segment tomorrow uh, on the Dace Group. So let's set that aside. I, I, I don't, I, I, there's a part of me that kind of likes the idea. I'm not, I've never seen another candidate urge another, his competitor to not get in the race. I'm not, I'm not sure if I like it or not. There, there's a pro wrestling aspect of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, it, but it, it, it's, and it, it, I don't know. It's odd. It's weird. But a part of me kind of liked that also, you know, part of me was kind of like, is it, you know, I dare you to get in the race. Is it passive aggressive? Don't do it. You know, is it, I'm looking out for you. I think we all know it ain't that one. Right. So it's, it's weird. Uh, the pew poll, um, is a, a society that's dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a, here are some trends we have seen just in the last few years. A, a 25-year-old male is more likely to be living at home with one of his parents than with a wife and a kid. Death. Death. That's cultural death. Can't sustain that. Lowest marriage and birth rates since we started tracking them in the 19th century. That's death. Can't. Cultural death. Cannot sustain that. That's death. You're a dying civilization. One third of now Republicans telling the Wall Street Journal last uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, only one third said that having babies was important. And that's that's from the family values party, allegedly death. Death can't sustain that. And now what is it? Forty four percent of Gen Zers saying they're willing to be perpetually childless. Right. Is that no, this is 18 to 50 years old. Oh, so even wider than yeah. that. Oh, 40, so well through Gen X as well. I yeah. think it's uh, somewhere like I can't remember. What so we're encompassing three generations yeah. there then mm-hmm. Z, uh, uh, Y or I'm sorry, Z millennials and uh, also um, Gen Xers there. The silver lining is that if this isn't if judgment does not come upon us in the very near term, the, the, we're going to outbreed them. Is that what you're yeah, saying? They're committing suicide. Cult, they are as a group. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. The the and I there's the, something to be said for that. <laughs> Deep thoughts. Here's the problem: they control all the institutions, though. Well, like, I, like, can we yeah. out, can we outbreed them to the point that we could sustain, we can withstand them weaponizing every major institution uh, yeah. in the country against yes. us? That's that's I mean, really it's a, which I, we're describing is a race against the clock. Yes, we will outbreed them and are doing so as we speak right this minute. Yes, but then at the, at the same time they're eradicating us on an institutional right. level, and so what 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 we're all going to hit zero. At some point here, both sides. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of whether we're so marginalized politically and culturally that we're, we're basically Chinese Christians. All right. I mean, you, you're more likely to be born again if you're born in Beijing, China these days than Boston, Massachusetts. But if you walk to the streets of Beijing, you would not have any clue of any mm-hmm. sort of I mean, China within a decade or two will have the, will have the largest conglomeration of Christians in the world. But. If you walk down the streets of Beijing and many of its metroplexes, you would you would not find any hint of any Christian influence at all. It's a completely underground society at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So we're either headed there, or we outbreed them and they essentially self exterminate. But um, the question is, can we hold out long enough to get yes. to the point where the numbers are in our advantage? Exactly. I'm and I'm I'm not no confident idea. of that. I, have no idea. I, I'm, I, I don't have an idea. I wouldn't bet on it. That's why, you know, to me, it's revival or bust. But you do bring up a good point there, Todd, for sure. 
Um, because, but here's the other problem we have. You go back to the Wall Street Journal numbers. This, this nihilistic, demonic influence in the culture is, is metastasizing, mm-hmm. and we're seeing it spread into our own ranks. Yes. I mean, you, you see it, you see it. I mean, I, listen, I, I love OutKick. They do a lot of great work and they um, originally emerged uh, calling BS on ESPN uh, and for, you know, mm-hmm. it's wokeism and political yeah. correctness. First thing I see on Twitter this morning, though, in my feed is a tweet from OutKick. It's just ridiculous. In fact, let me go. I want to go find the exact tweet here. Give me one second. I'm going to look for it here. I this is the first thing I saw in my feed this morning. I don't think I saw what you're talking about. Um, Wow, there's that picture of that UFO that Joe Rogan tweeted. That's pretty incredible. Um, but we'll <laughs> table that for now. Got <laughs> Might be under an know. alien invasion. We'll just, we had other things going on right this minute. Um, where is it here? Where is it? Where is it? Okay, here it is. Quote, most level-headed people have an issue with Joe Biden's truly ludicrous proposal to change slash destroy Title IX for transgenderism, but are too afraid to speak up about it, but not Caitlyn Jenner. And there's a picture of the artist formerly known as Bruce looking just, well, frankly, troubled and insane. And I think this was meant to be a, a flattering photo. He's wearing an I voted shirt, um, looking absolutely ridiculous in, 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 the, in, the, in, in the mutilation he's done to his body and to himself. And he's, he's level-headed. And I, I tweeted this out and I said, this is a picture of level-headed now? See, so we're, we're pressed on, we're getting pressed on both sides now. It's the Don Jr. conversation we were having about this earlier this week mm-hmm. as well. How much of this is manifesting into our own side? Because godlessness times godlessness equals what? Uh, the same. The same. We're, you know, so how, how, what's uber godlessness times slower methodical godlessness equal? The constant is godlessness. The constant here is godlessness. So we're just debating the rate of speed here, you know? So that's the other problem that yeah. we have to talk about with what you just mentioned yeah. is how much of this can we keep out of our own ranks? Because you're, I mean, like I pointed out the other day, when we, as we were coming on the show, I was watching Richard Grinnell, Trump's department or, or, De- or director of national intelligence, mm-hmm. the highest office ever for a homosexual in American history. And he did a very good job, by the way. But I... I was watching him call people out as, quote, homophobic, unquote, because they thought people like Dylan Mulvaney shouldn't be allowed to mutilate themselves and call themselves women. You know, and so if, if, if it's if this stuff is seeping into our own side at this rate, now you now you're really talking about the ground shifting beneath your feet. Right. Yeah. You're getting a full on on you're getting a full onslaught of it from the left. Literally, the gates of Mordor have been opened. And from the right, you're just watching a slower rate, albeit probably much slower, but it is still a, a rate of decay. So either way, we're in trouble. Here's who ought to be really in trouble. The head of NIH and the head of CDC. Yes. I think some of you believe I am just calling for Nuremberg Nuremberg style of tribunals with Nuremberg style of punishments out of anger, which is true, out of a desire uh, for retribution. I'll own that. Um, Or a desire for punitive justice. Yes. But there is also a strategic component to it as well. 
I promise you the head, that, that new head of NIH does not believe there's a zoonotic origin to COVID-19. I, I promise you he doesn't believe that. You can just look at his answer. There's no confidence, no assuredness, fumbling around, none of that. On August 6th, 2021, Rochelle Walensky went on CNN. Now, since it was CNN, I know a lot of you didn't see it, but Rochelle Walensky went on CNN and admitted that now the vaccinated can get COVID and spread it. Admitted this. And then a month later, her boss, the president, issued his wicked, immoral, anti-constitutional, demonic uh, poison poke mandate. These people know what they're doing. This is why we have to have these tribunals. You want to know what they really know? You want to know what they really think? And God bless Aaron Cariotti and those people that got Anthony Fauci under oath for that civil, at least that, that's more than we've gotten from mm-hmm. anybody else, okay? So let's not look the gift horse in the mouth. They're, they're not in power. They're private citizens, man. They're doing all they can at, out of their own pocket. God bless them. Keep fighting. We'll do what we can to help you. But, but you need to put these people on, under oath in a criminal proceeding where their lives are on the line. People start turning on each other. Yes, Hey, I, I ain't going out like that. I'm not getting played out like that. People will start. Pe- Sammy, the, there'll be numerous Sammy the Bulls. Lots of people will sing. Lots of people will want to point fingers and say, as the great prophet Ice Cube once put it, I ain't the one. Okay? That happens with a proverbial um, gallows to your head, or shall we say neck. You'll get some answers real quick. You'll find out how deep down the rabbit hole goes real quick. Who's really willing to die for this canard? Who's going to take the blame for this? And you pit them against each other. They've all got their own lawyers now. They're all fighting for their own lives now. They're all their own individual criminal defendant now. Man, I'm getting a little hot. I'm listening to you. That, that's, I think in the end, that's the only way we'll get answers, which is why I wrote an entire book with Daniel Horowitz begging for that process. We didn't do it. Listen, you can't get Daniel to do something for money. Trust me, I've tried. It doesn't happen. All right? <laughs> okay? He won't do it. Even if it's noble, he won't do it for money. Now, I won't do things just for money either. I will certainly do noble things for money, however. <laughs> That's where him and I are different. <laughs> okay. I won't do it just for money, but I will do noble things for money. He won't even do noble things for money. So we didn't just write this book, Rise of the Fourth Reich, for rhetorical flourish. We didn't spend a year putting that book together, going through all of that data and all of those interviews and everything else, just so we could make a bestseller list. We did it because we are both convinced, ultimately, this is kind of process is the only way we get to the truth. The only way. Put people on trial, make them mount a defense, and there's a potential life imprisonment or capital punishment verdict on the table. And then let's see. Let's see who wants to go down for the ship. Let's see who, let's see who truly remains loyal to the mission here, whatever it was. Let's find out. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that? Well, until then, you get the magical power of vaccines. And boy, was that laid out. You trust the experts. Trust the experts to the point that you must be locked down. And if you happen to go out in the fresh air on the beach, you will be arrested. Trust the experts to the point that you must double and triple mask and even maybe put your goggles on. Trust the experts that you must take the jab at the risk of uh, losing 
uh, your job, being experimented on in the military, except trust all those experts. And now here are two experts when we want to kind of sift through the, the charred rubble of the last three years. And they're either incompetent or lying, and it's that obvious. Why do you play this game? Because this, as I've told you before, as much of the bad and flawed science, this is also the magical power of seed. It's just tyranny. Mm -hmm. It's just abject tyranny. They think you're lab rats. They think you're beneath them. They will continue to do this again. They enjoy it. I have a question. Why did the questioner, and I can't remember the name of the congressman who was questioning Rochelle Walensky, not jump in in the middle of her statement and demand her explain what it means by, well, the science evolved? Also, why didn't somebody just tell her she's lying? Just on the record. Mm -hmm. Are you there just to check a box, Mr. Congressman? The answer is yes, probably. Are you there just to check a box? Are you really there to get the truth? Because they can play this game all day. Hell, Anthony Fauci did that in his deposition. His strategy was, I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember. Rochelle Walensky's strategy is, uh, the science evolved, the science evolved, the science evolved, the science evolved. Mm -hmm. Tabak's strategy is, I have no idea, I have no idea, I have no idea. These people will lie and obfuscate until you force them yes. to call to account. And force them, you will have to. Yes. Finally, pray for Matt Walsh, man. Yeah. Nobody has taken more pounds of flesh out of the spirit of the age the last couple of years in our industry than he has. And it's clear that the spirit of the age is striking back. What I'm about to say is going to seem like really far out there, really fantastical, but just stick with me for a minute, okay? So suppose there was a, a virus of malicious to unknown origin that was created as a bioweapon and then strategically leaked into the population. <clears throat> and thankfully, there actually were a few low cost, many of them over the counter, some you still need a prescription for, medications that if you prophylaxed with it or you tested positive and it was early enough into the onset of symptoms, that there was at least some degree, anywhere from some to high degree of likelihood, the most severe manifestation of symptoms from said virus's infection could be mitigated. But then they told you that you, the system said you couldn't have access to those drugs suddenly said to these drugs that had been licensed, available for uh, decades in some cases, maybe even won a, um, a Nobel Prize in a previous era that wasn't too long ago. I mean, I know this is sounding like crazy stuff. Is this one of the movies that's coming out and competing against Nefarious uh, this weekend? If, if, if it's not, maybe it should be. I'm, in fact, I'm wow. coming up with a pretty good movie idea myself here right now. But suppose this happened, and then for like the first nine months of said pandemic, they offered no alternative treatment protocol at all. They wouldn't do that. And, and, other than, you know, just go home. And wait until you can't breathe and then come in here and we'll put you on a ventilator and you'll probably die. It'll be a flip of a coin. I mean, that's just soil and green levels of nihilism, right? So just in case something like that were to happen in the future, 
Safety first. Safety first, indeed. All right. Forewarned is forearmed. Get a hold of our friends over at Jace Medical. Get the Jace case of venerable antibiotics, including the hard to find right now, amoxicillin. Uh, have that available just in case the dystopian novel that I just uh, laid out, an elevator pitch for, for you, uh, were to actually come true in real life one day. Who knows? Make sure you're ready. You can't be too prepared these days. Go to Jace Medical, J-A-S-E for Jace. J as in jump at this right this minute. Don't hesitate. If you're listening to the podcast, pause it. Go to jacemedical.com and then come back and listen. All right, that's how important this is. jacemedical.com and then enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount. Discount code DACE at checkout at jacemedical.com. Let's welcome in. Independent journalist who's been on our show a few times before, Kyle Becker. Good to see you again, Kyle. How are you? Thanks for having me on, Steve. You bet. And I was just combing through your feed as we're getting ready to discuss what you were talking about, government surveillance. If you don't mind, I want to ask you about something that you were writing about um, on your Twitter feed just in the last 24 hours that I was not aware of. Facebook censored RFK Jr.'s presidential announcement in real time yesterday. Yeah, about 30 minutes into the feed. Uh, Facebook apparently just dropped it. <laughs> so, so that's one of the things RFK Jr. was complaining about in his speech. He had a great line that they'd been suppressing him for 18 years, and now mm-hmm. he's going to get his word edgewise right. for the next 18 months. So um, it, it looks like he was on to <clears throat> them. So, Why haven't we pimp slapped these big tech companies yet? Seriously, you know, I, I think that they're so powerful. They with who with who donate a lot of money to okay. uh, camp- campaigns. They have a very effective lobbying uh, operation uh, up there on K Street and you know in the, in the halls of Congress. And you know, outside of a few governors and a few states like Texas and Florida, you haven't seen a much of a you know coalescing around a broad-based organized popular pushback besides just us complaining on social media. So, you know, I, I really think that some of the revelations like in the reporting that, you know, I, I, I passed along based in somewhat on the Federalist, but I also dug into it and found some more disturbing things about how widespread the censorship complex actually is. Um, just complaining about it on social media. I think we I think we need to get serious, get some class action lawsuits together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I think and, and I have pointed out some uh, legal analysis from Harmy Dillon, who I, who I respect and is, is on the ball in this regard. Uh, when these third party organizations uh, suppress or um, censor political speech in the public forum at the behest of the government or contracting with the yeah, government. That, how is that not a First Amendment violation? It is. It absolutely is. And there's a Supreme Court decision that Harmie pointed one out in 2019. Um, she, she had a few more that you can uh, go to my Substack and you can read more about that. But, uh, you know, absolutely. You're right, Steve. Uh, it, it is acting as an arm of the government. It's very fascist, to be quite mm-hmm. honest, you know, in, in, in the classical dictionary def- definition sense. Um, it's authoritarian. And I think that, you know, Americans need to wake up like they have an authoritarian government staring them right in the face right now. And all of the speech chilling behavior that we've seen on university campuses for the last 20, 30 years has unsurprisingly, because of a lack of principled ideological pushback at the universities, found a home in the United States government mm-hmm. in these bureaucracies 
uh, dyed-in-the-wool socialist authoritarian academics and and uh, bureaucrats have just brought that same type of um, partisan bias into the U.S. government, and uh, it's going to take real organized pushback. Uh, and, I, and I think we need to leverage the legal system now because, you know, fortunately, we have some we still have some judges left that were appointed by Trump. Um, a few Bush era, obviously, uh, judges in there. And the Supreme Court is probably the best tool to start winding some of this back before it's way too late. <laughs> I saw you tweet that you thought that, that you that you, you tweeted, quote, RFK Jr. should run independent and save the country. End quote. I was right. Because I, I think. You know, there's some um, polling already that that on the left, uh, there are radicals, there are dissenters to the Biden administration that he could peel off a lot of votes there. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some never Trumpers that might be attracted to him. Sure. But it could be enough of like a Ross Perot type block to get, you know, the better candidate, which we would assume would be Donald Trump. Um, almost certainly, um, you know, um, outside chance for DeSantis, perhaps. Um, but I, I'm really thinking Donald Trump would be benefited by the by this uh, development. If and look, I, you know, I'm not t- taking a shot at RFK Jr. Just to play spoiler, you know, um, it's a good opportunity for him to uh, to show that there is a you know there's more than two choices in uh, U.S. politics, and um, you know he, he could benefit the country that way too. just just being a dissenting voice. I don't agree with him on climate change, left wing politics that he has outside of the covid pandemic being a complete disaster. And, you know, and, and he's an I think he would even admit he's an anti-vaxxer, probably, mm-hmm. you know, beyond, beyond just the mRNA vaccines, which I think we can all agree was a botched idea. Warp speed was not a well thought out operation. Uh, and um but he, he's against all sorts of vaccines, which I don't go into that camp. I mean, flu vaccine stuff may be legitimate criticism, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not endorsing all of his views. But I think he could save the country by being a great dissenting voice and uh, taking away from Biden's unearned, you know, anti-Trump votes that, are, that you know, they're not, not voting for Biden. They're voting against Trump. So give them another option to vote against Trump. All right. Let's get to why we originally had you on. Uh, it's a piece that you wrote. Let's start with this. What is the disinfo cloud? What is that? It's a disinfo cloud was uh, set up as a contract. It, it, Park advisors ran it. Uh, Christina Nemar, who was uh, ex-State Department, um, set up this consortium of, of uh, disinformation, uh, so-called, and contracted with State Department uh, SISA, they would file tickets for disinformation and they would disseminate this through their clients. It originally started as a .mil, .gov operation, but then there was a Silicon Valley engagement initiative that was uh, ex- extended this out to private companies. And so you wound up with advertising companies, um, many of them, going to this and looking at it as a way to yank ads away from so-called uh, disinformation publications mm-hmm. and journalists. And so what you see is essentially smearing conservatives. Uh, it, it's very chilling, actually, because they disseminated through. And what I found through my, my research is that U.S. Congress um, 
that the Census Bureau, all sorts of government uh, agencies ultimately turned to this disinfo cloud set up by Christina Namara and Park Advisors, according to the report. Um, and that, that was even eventually spread worldwide. Uh, the European Union, a United Kingdom government, Estonian government. Um, it, it's really chilling that they essentially just smeared conservatives. Now, I, I've had a personal uh, run-in with another uh, uh, consortium group contributor here, and that was NewsGuard. And Federalist complains about NewsGuard in yep. their report. Yeah, they've tried, they've tried coming after well. me, too. Yeah, they have, too. Yeah, yeah, and what I found was the person who was interrogating me about my reportage, which ultimately turned to be true, never mind that this was opinion pieces anyways, right. uh, editorial, like carefully sourced uh, and, and documented, obviously, but the, the person was a rabid left winger. I looked them up on Twitter. They, they always <laughs> are. Yeah, they, they were. They, you're not, not going to get news. You're not going to get to any of these emails from a John Birch Society member, Kyle. They're, they're, no, absolutely it's always not. from and someone who couldn't get a that. job at Mother Jones every, t- every single time, brother. Every single time. Yeah, it's, it's quite incredible. But in, in the court of law, um, fact-checking, so-called, is equivalent to opinion editorials. Mm-hmm. So, so if, if somebody fact if you have a fact-check and you want to go in and, and sue them and say, okay, this fact-check... Uh, is incorrect. It libeled me. It harmed me. Their defense is, well, this is just an opinion <laughs> editorial, just like yours. Um, so they hide behind that as well, even though they're, they're harming you financially with their biased opinions and their hit jobs. So it's going to take a much more concerted operation. It may take Congress changing the laws. Uh, I don't want to see speech impaired. Overall, we need more speech, not less. But overall, I think that this disinformation complex, especially working with the U.S. government, is one of the biggest threats to the country. Because if we can't, we can't call out um, our, our own government, that we no longer have a democracy. And you saw Glenn Greenwald, maybe Steve, he was um, complaining about the Justice Department going after some left wingers, claiming that they were working with the Russian government. Mm-hmm. Um, that the FSB had contacted them purportedly, and they were acting as illegals or illegal agents of the Russian government. And, and it was a complicated case, so I'm not really citing one way or the other about what is right in this case, because obviously I don't want the FSB operating illegally in the United States. Um, so it gets a little tricky, but Glenn, Glenn Greenwald was complaining about this case where my point was they will go after the radical left. Like they will build the censorship industrial complexes, as some have called it, and they will go after the left. In fact, radicals are the biggest threat to socialist authoritarian governments. And I think that they would be, pay well to, uh, to heed that it's not just conservatives who are under threat in this country from an authoritarian government. It's radical leftists as well. So, you know, you know so... The mainstreaming of this sort of censorship and uh, just this, people seem to accept it right now. Um, it, it's kind of scary to me because it's it's as bad as anything I've seen. You know, in Russia, when I worked as a journalist in Moscow, I didn't have that level of censorship. I mean, I had a chief editor <laughs> who said, don't criticize 
you know, don't don't mock Putin and his advisors, like don't call them goons, don't call them thugs or whatever. And I was like, OK, I'll, I'll back off there because I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, but, you know, I, I haven't seen this kind of thing in the United States. It's just not the United States that I grew up in. Um, I, I feel differently when I look at the Statue of Liberty. I look at the flag like, yes, I believe in what it stands for and I care about it, but it doesn't have that powerful resonance where the U.S. is leading anymore to, to bring freedom mm -hmm. to the world, to mm -hmm. bring hope, to bring opportunity and liberty and all these great things that it has stood for for, you know, you know, 240 odd years. So or 50 years now, just about. So I think we're really on the precipice. You know, we're staring into the void and we have to act. You know, we have to jump. We can't just sit there and be mesmerized by what these big tech companies are doing. I think that's one strange aspect of the internet, Steve, is that we kind of have a voyeuristic third person about just like watching this train wreck in front of us. Because we're, yes, we're talking to each other and we're connected, but it's not the same thing as being united. Like during the Tea Party, perhaps, you might remember. Uh, we would get together, we would organize, we would talk to each other face to face, we would have events. And I think now, um, in the fallout of that, we've become much more accustomed to being, you know, remote, talking to each yep. other. So I think yep. that we need to organize, like, in more of a populist way to sh to be visible to where they can't ignore us. Um, I, on the internet, they can't ignore us because we can get censored, we can get shut down, we can get siloed. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's what's happened. I don't think the Democrats live in the same world as we do, Steve. I think that's like, we, we all read stuff obvious. on the left and right. They just read stuff on the left. Yep. They have television and yep. we, we have to make a more of a visible showing to them, I think, outside of the Internet. I think that's kind of what my conclusion from a lot of this is. But just relying on the Internet is sort of a fool's game at this point. Kyle, where can people follow your work? Yeah, at Kyle and A. Becker, they'll get exposed to everything that I do just about. So I think that's the best place to find me, Steve. You do a lot of good work, man. Thank you for joining us again, all Thank right? Thank you. I good, appreciate it, guys. You Take bet. Care. Good luck to you in the future. Appreciate it, Steve. I think the biggest takeaway from that conversation is when he said I was a reporter in Moscow and I was censored less than I am right now. Yeah. I could literally say anything I want as long as I didn't personally ridicule Putin and his cabinet. So the question is why? And I think when he said people just don't believe in certain things, when he's talking about the flag, well, here's what they, and you, you uh, and what you've drumbeat into your listeners for a while came to mind when he was saying that we don't believe in two things. And the one that came to mind, people don't, they they don't want to critical think anymore. And they also, they don't want to be courageous. Hmm. And I, I think about that for a second, even if it was hard especially men you growing up in America. Yeah. You wanted to find a way not to be afraid. We're all afraid of stuff as kids. You wanted to be courageous. Men don't want to be these days and they also don't want to think they want to turn it off. They want automatic pilot. You don't get either. I think what stood out to me is talking about how the court of law sees so-called fact checks as opinion pieces. But yes, I'm sure Fox News's settlement with Dominion Voting Systems will open up a Pandora's box. Yeah. Uh, potential litigation against woke companies who go after conservatives. That's not how this works. No. That's not how any of this works. It's... We can't put two and two together, apparently, just on the most basic things like freedom of expression, free speech.
We'll come back. Hour two will get started with Theology Thursday right after this. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the program, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and then also TikTok. You can find me over on Truth Social. You have to really like to find me there, though. At Real Steve Dace. It is entirely possible Donald Trump is censoring me even more than Mark Zuckerberg at this point. Or it's maybe just more noticeable because I have a, like 10% of the followers at Truth Social that I have at Facebook, so it's more prevalent, you know. Either way, though, it's noticeable. Uh, do, I, I may remain the only person being simultaneously censored by both Donald Trump and Mark Zuckerberg. That actually may not speak well of me. I mean, I, I, that, I may, I'm, I, maybe I'm the one in the wrong if that's the case. Thoughts? No. No? No. It's entirely, maybe I am. Maybe I'm the one in the wrong. I mean, no. you either, you're either really, really right or really, really wrong to uh, simultaneously offend the algorithmic gods at Facebook and Truth Social, right? That's at least fair. You're either really right or you're really wrong to make that happen. All right, so you can uh, take, the, take the Truth Social challenge today. Can you find my account on Truth Social? <laughs> <laughs> at real Steve Dace there. And then if you listen to the podcast, thank you so much, please. If you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe or follow. And thank you to all of you that have done either or both of those things for us already. And want to welcome back to the show, our good friends over at Freedom Project Academy. If you are looking for an institute that has perfected online learning, offering live on-demand and homeschool courses K through 12, Built on Judeo-Christian values with a classic curriculum dedicated to the mastery of subject matter and teaching kids how to think, not what to think. If that sounds like the oasis that you are looking for, I've got personal experience with this. My son was enrolled here for a few years. Um, I saw what they were able to do. I also know the people that founded the school. So I, I really believe in their mission and the quality of how they go about fulfilling it as well. All right. So if you want to get a free information pack or you want to sign up, just go to freedom for F O R the preposition, not the number freedom for school.com save 10% on tuition. If you enroll today, save 10% on tuition. If you enroll today, Take back control of your kid's education right now at freedomforschool.com. At the very least, go there and request their free information packet at freedomforschool.com. Well, we're heading into a big second weekend for Nefarious. And uh, a lot of people in the industry were shocked that we finished top 10 at the box office for our opening weekend. Uh, and now, though, another five films are coming out this week. Another three come out next week and then Guardians of the Galaxy the week after. So this the battle continues to hold on to our screens. And this week will go a long way towards determining that. And I'm I'm hoping that a lot of you that were uh, that suddenly thought maybe because I just looking at the numbers, I know there's a lot of people in this audience that has not seen the movie yet. And maybe you thought suddenly after all these years of telling you about it, I lied to you. 
and the movie really wasn't what I promised you it was, and you believe the MPA and it's R rating over what I told you, which would frankly disappoint me, but you know what? Hey, I can't blame you for being suspicious of everybody. Everybody is one decision away these days from selling you out. That's totally fair, yeah. right? Okay. Now, I, I would like to think with my own audience, I could win an integrity contest with the Motion Picture Association and the godless, hedonist, um, demonic fiends that run that one. But apparently I can't, or at least I couldn't week one. So I'm hoping this week now that you've heard from uh, the amount of people in our audience that did go and see it. And you're hearing from other people around the country that did go and see it. Uh, uh, Drew here at the Family Leader was telling me this morning he went and saw a screening of Nefarious locally. And people were talking about it in the theater afterwards. And uh, they asked him, well, how'd you hear about this movie? And, or he asked them, how'd you hear about this movie? And you know, my pastor was telling me about it. My buddies told me about it. So there's good word of mouth there. And then they asked Drew, what do you, what, how did you hear about it? Well, I work with Steve Dace. And they were like, who's that? That's like, you made my day. I mean, the hope of, that we are getting this movie out beyond my own native reach and ecosystem, which is substantial, but it is not enough to carry a national release of a motion picture, not Glenn Beck or somebody like that. So that's good. But uh, now you've heard from enough people. We've shared enough reviews. It does not deserve an R rating. This was done specifically to keep you at home. This was done specifically for suburban Christian mom to say my kid can't go see with his youth group possibly go see a rated R movie that they did this to screw us all right so now you know the truth about the film and I'm hoping that this week you go out and uh, if you didn't take my word for it you listen to your fellow believers who have seen it and are speaking overwhelmingly glowingly about it 97% is where we currently are with user reviews at Rotten Tomatoes I think it's tied for the second best current release movie uh, for user reviews in the country right now. I think we're tied for second. I think Jesus Revolution is actually number one at 99. So props to them. I wanted to share for Theology Thursday, though. I, I someone a, good, a, a buddy of mine shared this with me, and I don't know the woman, but I thought what she wrote about our movie was really fair and profound. And for Theology Thursday, I'm going to share it with you, and then we're going to discuss it. All right? I'm going to butcher her name, and I don't want to. I'm sorry. I think it's Chenwan Snyder, I believe is her name. Chenwan Snyder, and she is from The Stream. She wrote, Last Friday, we went to see Nefarious on its opening night. The viewing room in the cinema was crowded, even with high expectations jacked up by the favorable reviews. The film didn't disappoint me. It lived up to the claims. The script is so well written that I, whose English is a second language, can recognize the cadence and tempo in the dialogues, a prominent feature in any classic play. Sean Patrick Flannery did an outstanding job portraying the convicted serial killer. His acting measures up to the caliber the script sets deserving of an Oscar nomination. The entire time, my mind was fully engaged and riveted by the story. It's the best Christian movie I've seen besides The Passion of the Christ. Now that... Quote the great prophets at Alabama. That's walking in high cotton. Mm. Okay. It's the best Christian movie I've seen besides the passion of the Christ. It is a giant step forward. We can say that with the release of Nefarious, the Christian movie industry is no longer the shabbily dressed Cinderella, but the one heading to the ball with crystal shoes on her feet. That's a turn of a phrase. It's an R-rated film and may not be suitable for young audiences. It does have a scene that is a bit disturbing. Whatever feeling you get from it, the message the movie tries to convey on this subject, either for or against it, or it is the message the movie tries to convey on this subject, either for or against it, that matters. In China, we have a saying which describes an effort of nitpicking, looking for a bone in an egg. 
So here I'm simply trying to be hypercritical with, with what I'm about to say next, looking for a bone in an egg. One of the main characters, the psychiatrist, is not a Christian who at the end abandons his atheistic worldview because of his encounter with the killer representing the dark world. I assume the movie aims at non-believers, mostly, but not exclusively, I can say as its executive producer. I think if the story did not stage his change during the Glenn Beck show, but rather leaves it for the audience to wrestle with, it would invite the audience, especially atheists, to participate in the story and draw its own conclusion. Minus that, I think the scene looks a bit preachy, and preachy movies don't typically appeal to non-believers because it deprives them of the opportunity to make up their own minds. So I mentioned to you that at some point when we got later into the release, we would have a longer conversation about why that scene is at the end of the film, and I, I won't spoil it but the, completely, but we just felt like there had to be some... If we weren't going to do the cheesy conversion scene, we are faith-based filmmakers. We're not horror filmmakers. So we just felt like there needed to be some form and hope of a redemptive ending, even if it was mild, even if it was um, subtle, even if it was incomplete, that we wanted to, we wanted believers to leave there, the, the film. I mean, that, that scene's for believers almost exclusively. Some hope that if we are bold in presenting the truth of what's going on in this world to our unbelieving friends and family, we can still reach them. That's why that scene is there. That, if you're a believer, that scene at the end with Glenn Beck is exclusively for you. The rest of the movie is primarily for non-believers, but not exclusively. I'd say, you know, 65% for non-believers, 35% for believers. But the scene with Glenn Beck at the end is exclusively for believers. We wanted you to not leave there disheartened without coming up with some cheesy, cringy, wrap everything up in a bow, Hallmark movie with Bible verses that just undermined the integrity of the rest of the film. And so we tried to come up with something that took a step in that direction without completely undermining the integrity of the story we had just told. The most potent feature of a movie is its ability to tell a truth visually with or without words. For instance, the magnificent cinematography in the movie, 1917, powerfully conveys our longing for peace and beauty through visual effects. Without clearly stating its anti-war message, those stunningly beautiful visuals in the midst of war-torn zones help achieve its objective, making the audience loathe the devastating consequences of a war when they walk out of the theater. Um, we did the same thing in reverse. You'll notice... When you see the movie, when it opens, everything's bright, sunny. I mean, James is even wearing sunglasses when he pulls into the prison, right? Walks through the opening area of the prison. Everything's white, lit up, sunlight, right? What happens the minute the, the cell door opens and he walks into where Nefarious is seated from that time forward? What happens? It gets dark. And it gets darker. To the point that as the movie goes on, there's literally thunderstorms happening outside. Uh, even the outside gets darker. That's, we did the same thing in, as 1917 did with the budget we had. But, but it was in reverse. We wanted to demonstrate with the cinematography that you are in the midst of darkness here. To that end, Nefarious feels more like a classic stage play with most of its plot taking place in the same scene, a large room in the prison. But it does deliver the message mainly through compact and superb dialogues and first-class acting, which are important features in a stage play. 
since various art forms, a movie, a book, or a play, affect our brains differently, I think in order to touch the audience with the goal to change their viewpoint, we have to take into consideration not only the message, but also the vehicle by which the message is carried out. And to some extent, I do think Nefarious, with long dialogues and limited scenes, has n- did not take full advantage of the cinematic art. There is some truth to that. We also didn't have a $30 million budget, or a $50 million budget, or a $100 million budget. The reality is, even finding Christians who are willing to fund this movie, because we weren't going to give them the, the Cinderella that you described earlier, was not easy. That's one of the reasons why we just decided to fund it ourselves. But now back to the good stuff. It is still an outstanding movie on its own merits. I do believe there's a divine purpose for this film. We can sense this through the interference and vicious attacks from the dark world on the production and even on the author, Steve Dace himself. A few days ago, I read a comment on the movie on social media. I'd rather just talk about Jesus. This kind of statement frustrates me greatly. I think it is cheap and irresponsible response with a calculated purpose to preemptively shut off discussion. Though we should not be obsessed with the demonic, the biblical witness is that we must recognize and address it accordingly. Sun Tzu in The Art of War says, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. I think for various reasons, Western Christians and American Christians in particular, lack the desire to know our enemy. This might be precisely the reason for the fast encroachment the enemy has made on our territory. That's exactly right. One of the things I point out in a nefarious plot is... The devil does not want to operate in the shadows. I've always found that to be odd. The greatest trick that, you know, the line from the usual suspects, the Mm -hmm. greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing us he doesn't exist. BS. Let me get this straight, man. You're going to go eyeball to eyeball with God and say, I will be like the most high. And then after that, you're going to be like, but I think, you know, for the next several eons, I'm going to try subtlety on. No, no, that's not true. At least I don't believe it is. I, I think it's the devil wants you. He wants worship more than anything else. What the devil wants is an, doesn't want is an honest portrayal of who he is. Because if there's an honest portrayal of who he is, you'll flee. You won't worship him. So you get his branding. He wants to control the brand. He wants to control the message. He doesn't want to be subtle at all. He wants you to see what he wants you to see. They're not the same thing. Perhaps God intends to use nefarious to wake up the Christian community in light of all the increasing emergence of evil around us. Perhaps what we considered a cultural issue or a political issue, in fact, has a determinatively spiritual force behind it. Amen. That has become a major theme on this show over the last couple of years. As I have articulated numerous times, we are not seeing, as we did in the previous era of the culture war, political manifestations of human sin. Hey, let normalize the fact that I want to have sex outside of marriage. Normalize the fact that um, I want to have more sexual licentiousness. Normalize the fact that I don't want to be held accountable if I take a risk and start a business and it goes bankrupt and someone else picks up the freight. Those things are all terrible, okay? But they're also basic manifestations of human sinfulness. I don't want to be held accountable for my actions. I don't want God to tell me what the restraints are on what I do with my wallet, particularly my wallet and my, my, my belt buckle right? Or my pants, underwear, nether regions. Those are, that's a tale as old as time, man. What we're dealing with here are self-limiting principles. We're not trying to break free of the boundaries that God, or let me rephrase that. 
We're not merely trying to break free, break free of the boundaries that God has placed on. The natural desires and ambitions he has put inside of us. That's human, that's human nature. That's flawed human nature. That's sin. Trying to break free of those boundaries, recreate our own. We're beyond that. We have gone from I want to I want to take a risk and if my ambition fails, not get paid, not not have to pay out of my own pocket for it to be too big to fail. Right. That's human sin. Right. Mm-hmm. We've gone from I don't feel safe taking a risk at all. I'm not going to take any risks. That's the parable of the talents. The last servant who says to the master, well, I was afraid of you. And so I took what you gave me and buried it, afraid that I would fail. And what does Jesus say in that parable? You I, depart from me into the den of iniquity. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to beat Sean Kemp and Elon Musk and baby mamas. I'm just planting my seed in anything that will, that will, that will spread for me to now. I, I can't even imagine. I can't look a woman in the eye. I, I can't even ask a girl out. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even know what to do. She might say, no, I can't take the rejection. What is a girl? What is a girl even exactly? That's not basic human sinfulness. That is demonic. That is nihilistic. We do not seek our own destruction, folks. We seek our own dominion. And then in the pursuit of our own dominion, we self-destruct. In other words, we assert our will ahead of God's. We know better than God. We're not doing that right now in this era. We're doing even more than that. In this era, we're saying there isn't a will at all. What's the, what's the next totem I can place for you, spirit of the age, on my, on my social media account? A Ukraine flag, a mask, a poison poke pass, whatever you want. And all who gazed upon the beast marveled at the beast and wondered, who is like the beast and who would make war with it? That's what's going on here. That is what is going on here. We are not like, I want to I use a male anus to give me sexual gratification as a male. No. Now we're like, I, I'm just not going to go and seek out sexual gratification at all. I'm an incel. That's that's demonic. The denial of our basic fundamental making. I'm I'm a man trapped in a woman's body. I'm a woman trapped in a, in a man's body. Women uh, have penises. Men uh, uh, have periods. That's demonic. That is an inverse of the created order, not a, not a perversion of it, not a bastardization of it, not a distortion of it. It is literally the upside down. And that is the realm of hell straight up. And that's what you're watching being manifested now politically. And we've got all these pastors around the country who don't want to speak to this because I want to seem political. Listen, I, I don't want you to be political either. The Republican Party hasn't deserved 
you turning yourself into a mascot for them in at least 20 years. And it certainly, sir as hell, doesn't deserve it right now. But that doesn't absolve you, sir, from your calling. Feed the sheep. Confront the wolves. Disciple the nations. These massive monstrosities you're all, you all are building in the suburbs. The people coming to them have been worked over already by the very things I'm talking about. And they will try to impose them in your churches. That's most of the epistles. You're going to these pagan places. They have their own traditions, their own understandings, their own worldviews, their own beliefs. And, 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 and of course, light and dark can't mix. And so people just, if they're, not, if they're not truly sold out to Christ, will invariably attempt to mix in the garbage they brought into the church with what the church stands for. And bad company corrupts good character. That's much of what Paul is writing about in his epistles. Confronting individual cultural wiring in places like Ephesus, Corinth, Colossae. And saying, don't let that, don't get that on you. Don't let that in. Don't let it in. Keep it out. We're not doing that. And so we are fulfilling Augustine's warning. There are many sheep without, many more wolves within. That's what we're doing. We're feeding wolves in congregations all over the country. church model in America is anathema collectively to the biblical model. The biblical model is choose ye this day whom you will serve. Enter through the narrow gate. My sheep hear my voice. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The biblical model is clarification. Putting everybody on the record. What happens at the end of the book before we get to a new heavens and a new earth Sheeps and goats are separated. Everyone's on the record. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Does it say most tongues and, uh, you know, a plethora of, of knees? Every, every, every. The Bible, the biblical model is to seek clarification, not accommodation. And that's what we're doing. Now, it's a great model for growing a business and for losing the freest culture God's ever permitted east of Eden. It's a great model for that. It's a terrible model, however, for fulfilling the Great Commission, as we have proven in the last generation. To which she goes on to write, Chen Wan does at the end, unless the church recognizes it and addresses it and takes a stand against it, we will not turn a defeat into a victory. That's the message Nefarious has for us. Indeed. That is the message. Or as somebody very simply put it in an email to me earlier this week, Satan hates you because God loves you. Gentlemen, your thoughts. From China? Yes. She said she's from China. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what a fantastic reminder when she talks about uh, that letter and somebody says, I, I just want to talk about Jesus. What a ridiculous idol American Christians have made of portions uh, of their f uh, their faith and their citizenship. This thing, a, a republic, if you can keep it, a charge to keep. You you have work to do. 
yet we have treated this simply as self-help as the Oprah show where very little is at stake mm -hmm. other than tending to our inner child when in fact everything is at stake but let's take that premise of the whoever it was I just want to talk about Jesus in scripture itself the when the Lord prompted his very own disciples the ones who were around in the most knew him best that he had been teaching things that he says he taught them that aren't even in the scriptures how did, did those conversations, did the answers that came back to the Lord always go well? No, they did not. They were talking about Jesus with Jesus, and they did not always go well. And then the Lord often had very stern conversations in response to that about, like he said, it would be better for you than... He would talk about the darkness. This is why her so... They, all of us would rather choose to be born in America than China still. But we begin high on our own supply. There is light in the darkness in China because it's been unavoidable because they've talked about the darkness. Just at the at the Easter vigil at the at in the Catholic faith, just a couple weeks ago, my family there and my family there for the first time in a long time because of COVID and other things. The when they enter when you, the newly entered into the church, which happens every Easter vigil. They were lost and they are found in that moment. And that the beginning of the reciting of the creed is added for that moment. Before you talk about the rest, God, the Lord, and all else, two questions in bringing them into this holy faith. Do you reject Satan? I do. Do you reject all his works? I do. Our faith makes no sense unless you understand the grave consequences of sin beyond your own inner child. Amen. So thank you. Uh, uh, us as Americans, and this is a way when Steve talks about khakis and sweater vests and all that stuff, he's, re he's, really, he's talking about ways of getting you to identify how soft we've become our faith is not a damn lullaby it never has been amen and you keep doing this to yourself amen it's time to ask for something beyond the cheese it's pick the damn steak it's so much better amen man i mean that's that's that'll preach right there in essence man i'm trying for all of you within the sound of my voice that's in that i just tell me about jesus group i'm i'm trying to wake you up before your kid comes home and says Hey, you know, I just got castrated. The school told me it was okay and I didn't have to get parental permission. I, I, can't, I can't make it any more plain than that. Aaron, your thoughts. This country is now going on two, three generations of being one massive grift spiritually <laughs> and economically. Now, we tr throw that word around a lot, don't we? Grift, grifter, yes. he's a grifter. What does grift actually mean? It means to engage in petty or small-scale swindling. What's swindling mean? It means to engage or scheme to do a fraudulent action. So what do I mean when I say this, this country is now going on three-plus generations of grifting, of just being one massive grift? Spiritually in the church, economically in the public square, although those things cannot be separated, we are coasting off the fumes and not vanguarding the people in the institutions that gave us our opportunities. 
both spiritually mm-hmm. and the freedom that we have and mm-hmm. enjoy in the church, economically, the freedom and the opportunities that the founders of this country unleashed upon the planet, unleashed in a good way. And when I say we are committing fraud, spiritually in the church, we are fraudulent when we abandon the culture around us. Talking about Jesus, how could you say you're against that? I'm not against talking about Jesus, but just talking about Jesus. As if it's a trite, as if it's a trite sentimental construct. Exactly. Yeah. Just doing that, you're not, you don't really want to talk about Jesus. You just don't want to get your hands dirty. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's, what that, that's what I'm talking about especially spiritually three generations in mass with limited exceptions. The church has been made up of a bunch of frauds because we're not doing our jobs and we have abandoned the culture around us. Sure. There are nefarious forces at work, but it's not because those nefarious forces just exist in a vacuum Mm -hmm. and just enveloped us. Mm Mm-hmm. We created that vacuum. We let him in. We, we, what you remember when we had Father, Father Carlos Martins on the mm-hmm. Vatican lead exorcist, and he said maybe that one of the first things you don't understand about exorcism is I cannot deliver someone against their own will, and they and they need to be they need to they need to want true deliverance, not just I want a I want to go back to the early stages of infestation when the demon was actually tr- still trying to deceive mm-hmm. me and woo me. Mm-hmm. And I and I maybe got some things in my favor. No, I, I truly want to be free of the darkness. And a lot of times there are people that they don't. They just want a more manageable form of it that they can think they can turn to their advantage. It is very challenging in the Let's Go Brandon environment coming off of the you're non-essential previous environment uh, to be a small business owner nowadays, especially where human resource issues are concerned. The average human resource director's salary can be about 80 grand a year plus benefits. Maybe you can afford that as a small business owner, but just in case you can't uh, contact our friends over at Bambi. Uh, They will put your HR on autopilot, help you with important HR practices. Um, It'll be available real time by phone, email, even real time chat. So anything that you need from a human resources perspective, they can help you with that. It's also month to month. So maybe you're just in a season right now where you need to run a little lean and mean. Perfectly cool. All right. Maybe you're a startup. Again, that's fine. Um, You can do it long term if you want, but it is only month to month. You're not locked into a long term contract and it's only ninety nine dollars a month, man. You cannot beat that. All right. So go to Bambi.com, B-A-M-B-E-E, Bambi.com right now. Type in Steve Dace under podcast when you sign up. It'll help both you and the show. It'll help both us and you. Uh, If you go to Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E, Bam and B, you know, like the flying little insect bambi.com bambi.com type in steve dace under podcast at bambi.com all right we welcome in my oldest daughter anastasia we'll get to three non-political questions in a minute uh sweetie but uh, you went to the matt walsh event at the university of iowa last night yes and we used some of your video uh, that you took in the montage earlier today on the show give us kind of a, a two three minute rundown of what you saw the highlights etc yeah i mean 
My husband, Stephen, and I, we got there fairly early because we were trying to kind of beat all the crowd, beat all the protesters and everything. And we did. They were all kind of sitting on the lawn outside the thing, like drawing in chalk. So I was like, okay, have a good night, guys, because I didn't think much <laughs> of it. They were like out there drawing like heart, rainbow hearts in chalk. And I was like, okay, I'm not really threatened by this. But then we were... Were they literally handing out avocado toast as they were doing it? <laughs> I mean, how they, many, we're checking boxes of stereotypes right from the jump here. Go ahead. I'll be honest. They looked like they're trying to save the planet by not using much water. And I just, they uh, were not... Yeah. Maybe that's mean. I don't know. That's, it's already said. But so... um Yeah. So while we were waiting in line, you know, we had some great conversations with some great people, got to meet other like-minded people. So it was great. But as we were waiting in the line, I just hear this grown man's voice say, over here, everybody, come on. And they, all the protesters that had been sitting on the lawn filed into the hallway and they started screaming. They were screaming, F you. They were like, trans rights are human rights. They were like, you want us dead. You're you know, wanting us to kill ourselves and everything. And, you know, it was hard because you saw people my age, like the YAF students out there at Mm -hmm. um, the University of Iowa, you know, having to sit there and while their fellow classmates are are screaming at them because I think that's one of the hardest parts is, you know, like Stephen and I don't go to the University of Iowa. So we got to get in our car and drive home. But like these students have to wake up the very next day, you know, and do biology one, you know, with the people that were just yelling at them. So, I mean, they were out there. They were they were loud. You know, they weren't nothing happened to my knowledge that was violent. But then after the event, um, as Stephen and I were walking out, we got the honor to meet some YAF students. So that was really cool and thank them for everything that they're doing. But then as we were walking out, I mean, there were over a hundred students out there blocking people's cars, making sure that like people couldn't leave. I mean, our, one of our great friends, uh, pastor Mike Damastis was there. He took a video of a girl saying like, you are going to stay. I want to inconvenience you. I'm not going to allow you to leave here. So thankfully we had parked somewhere else but yeah people were getting stuck and then the university of iowa's marching band was out there literally with their drums and with the conductors out there conducting them to play as loud as they can as they were screaming and chanting it was it was pretty crazy so wait a minute the marching band at the university of iowa were they making a political statement or were they just out there playing in general they were just out there playing in general to my knowledge because I thought if I went over there and really tried to get into it, my inner Steve Dace would come out. So well, I- it just so happens a very good friend of mine was just named to the Iowa Board of Regents, and I will be making yeah. a call to him after this show. Yeah. So the I University mean, drums, of Iowa marching trumpets. band is is making political statements. You're not sure, but I think we should find out if that's the Let's case. Let's find out. Let's find out if they are. Yeah, and yeah. you can head over to YAF's like main Twitter account. They posted that's Young Americans videos. for Freedom for yes. people that don't know what that means. They yeah. posted video of people like with their trumpets out there, trombones. I mean, there were so many police cars. A fire truck was there. An ambulance was there because I mean over a hundred students were blocking people in, not letting people leave. And to my knowledge, or at least to my point of view in that hallway, when it all first started, it was started by like a 50 between 50 to 60 year old man who I, I don't know if he was a teacher or what, but they all seemed to know him and be listening to everything he said. And in one of the videos that I have, it gets a clear picture of his face, but yeah, so it was all being led by some 50 to 60 year old dude. So think, I just think about how creepy and weird that is that the only thing you can do to be an activist is hang around with a bunch of 18 somethings and 20 year old somethings. How was Matt? 
He was great. He seemed a little shaky, obvious. And he's, I think that's fair with a, everything that's going on. He's been through a bit of an ordeal this week. You yeah. know, but he was in a very much like I'm not backing down mood. Mm-hmm. He was very much stern in the message that he said. Um, I mean, his delivery throughout these speeches is always so good because he's always such a great listener to when people have like the most ridiculous questions. But, you know, <laughs> he just seemed like in afterwards, you know, he was like, OK, I kind of want to get out of here, which was more than fair but during his speech very respectful very well done really really great job all right good stuff let's get to three non-political questions we all have questions who am i why am i here where am i going who am i a search and a question of identity why am i here a question of meaning and purpose where am i going question of destiny some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. All right, Princess, three non-political questions. You're up. Okay. That intro is always so intense. And then I'm like, what's your guys' favorite color? <laughs> but, <laughs> but my first question for you If you, you were guys, a hot dog, would you eat you? Yeah. Yes. My first question for you guys is that if you could tell your 13-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Uh, don't let yourself become morbidly obese. It'll take way too long to change that. Now, at 13, I wasn't. I played a lot of sports. Uh, I was you know, very involved in athletics and things of that nature. But maybe, I, maybe I'd refine the message since my 13-year-old self. I tell my 13-year-old self, in about 10, 15 years, you're going to find out you cannot keep eating this way. you can't have burger king for breakfast taco bell for lunch and pizza for dinner you can't keep eating this way uh there will come a point in time that metabolically uh you will suffer grave consequences for this all right so uh maybe and maybe show them the pictures maybe that's what i would do how about you todd that is such a good one it seems like anything anything i would answer would uh cheapen the gravity of it. It's really important. I think um, read a, a lot more, a mm. lot more. Uh, read a lot more nonfiction, mm-hmm. I should say, which is really, I, I just had an awakening after college when I just became a bookophile for a while. And it was just download only because it's, it is, you just, you got to put, to be a responsible citizen, it's your duty to just put in the building blocks of how you do that and you just i was on autopilot for so long in so many ways with assumptions that i think they would be like just read history philosophy much earlier than i did which is what an education actually used to be (laughs) what about you aaron so i would say you know this is a tall task for any teenager but trust your parents a little bit more uh, and get a, a an hourly wage job as soon as you possibly can, which that in Iowa, yeah. which in Iowa you can actually do uh, a little bit sooner now because of some legislation that was passed this yeah, week. Yeah, that's good. The reason why I chose that, it's not because that's like the only mistake I made, but I, I, when I look back on it, all the other mistakes I made turned me learning from them, suffering from them, turned me into the, the man and eventually gave me the life that I have now. Mm-hmm. The one thing I can't find that I gained anything remotely um, useful out of was letting that happen to me. So that has only caused stress, pain, um, sweat, 
it hasn't it hasn't done anything positive to learn from at all it, it, it was just strictly debilitating that's why i chose that one all okay. right number two number two so on a scale of one to ten i want you guys to rate these three covid pickup lines oh my okay all right so number one is if covid19 doesn't take you out can i <laughs> i like actually i like that one to, you said one to ten? One yeah, to ten? maybe like yeah. one is like, eh, I don't think that would get you anything. But ten is like, okay. One, let's do it this way. One, Lindsey Graham's not even swiping right on his grinder account, okay? Ten, a lot of women are going to swipe right on that one. Fair? Is that a fair way of doing sure. it? Okay. Sure. Yeah. I think that's a ten. No? <laughs> let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't <laughs> sully this, Dad. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say eight. I, that's what I was going to say as well. Okay. Yeah. But I, it made me laugh. I'm yeah. going full 10. Yeah. This one is, you can't spell virus without you and I. Oh, that's mm. a, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a two. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a two. Um, I'll be a little bit more lenient. How about a, how about a 3.5? A 3.5? You could do worse, but not much. So I will also say two. Yeah. And this last one is, is that pneumonia in my lungs or has your smile just left me breathless? That's a one. Mm, yeah, that's, that's even worse than the other one. Yeah. That's see, a one. Yeah. This is why 10, you got, you had to recognize the simple beauty of it. There it was too meandering. And, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the subtext here is that I'm going to be hacking up phlegm on our first date. <laughs> yeah. I think. I don't think Maybe. even Lindsey Graham is swiping right on that one. Yeah. So did you, have you guys, did you guys back in your dating days ever try a, a pickup line? Oh, heck no. I did once. I did. Have I ever told you this story? I didn't get out, so there wasn't very That's much. true. That's true. You, 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 had, you had good parents. If you haven't yet, do you need to start now? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I went up to a girl at a bar once. My mom, right? No, it was not your mom. Oh. It was before your mom. Oh. And uh, um, in college, and um, I asked her if I could borrow a quarter. And she said, Why? I almost can't even say this out loud. <laughs> Gosh, it's so bad. I said, well, because my mom told me to call her the minute I meet the girl in my dreams. That's so bad. That's just the worst. It didn't work. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't work. I, I got laughed at. Not Good. laughed with, <laughs> laughed at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I never How tried anything. Like, I was in early, tw very early 20s. Maybe you were in your 20s. 1920. Yeah, that's too yeah, I was old. A, I was a college student, you know, and let's just say they weren't the strictest in policing no. people at the bar scene at Michigan State so, University. And you didn't like beer, so how many Zimas were you in at this point? <laughs> <laughs> that is not too far from the point, uh, actually. Zima with some lime was, I learned, that, that I could drink those back in the day because uh, if I drank wine coolers, my buddies would just rip on me for being soft. So but the halfway... The midterm. See, we didn't have like all the ales and the you know, the the craft stuff that they right. have now with all the cool flavors. It was basically Bush Light, Bud Light, or yes. Zima. Okay. What in the world is it, a Zima? It, well, it, it's it's enough beer that you don't get called out for being a chick if you're a guy drinking it. All right, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's somewhere between a, a Zima with lime is somewhere between a a, a, a beer and a wine cooler. Yeah. <laughs> is that a fair description? For you. <laughs> For me. All right, question three. Last question is, if you could be the best in the world at something, what would that be? Golf. Golf? Golf. Yeah, you've, you've done this before from a different kind of question, but you somehow it was a sport. 
broader A, B, or C, what sport would you want yep. to be the best at? And the reason, here's why, here's why. Because I would, it would give me the, the, the time of year, really, you only have to be great four times a year. April, May, June, and July. The Masters in April, PGA Championship in May, uh, the U.S. Open in June, and the, the it's still the British Open, not the, the Open, it's still the British Open in July. All right, You win those four every year, or one or two of those four every year, if you're the best in the world. No one cares what you did at the John Deere the Classic or the TPC Sawgrass. No one, no one remembers that crap. So, And it's done before I get to my favorite time of year, the fall. doesn't interrupt with that at all. And, the, and it would give me uh, a lot of exposure and a lot of resources that I would then turn and use to, to wage complete war against the system. Complete war against the system. So, Just going out Freddie Couple style, only playing a couple times a year, yep. banging out All I got to do is, win, if I'm the best in the world, win one of those four every year, endorsements and everything else, and then the rest of the time, man, I am... I am the right-wing George Soros. I am just funding the takeover of legislatures. I am just freaking waging war. That's what I would do. You're good at Wii Golf, so that's something. Yeah, I am pretty good at Wii Golf, yeah. But it's not quite the same thing. It doesn't pay as well. <laughs> it's I know just a that. little different. Yeah. And it's the least physically taxing thing on your body. I mean, yeah, you have back injuries and stuff, but it's not, it's not the same as football or basketball or hockey. Or, and I just couldn't bring myself to play soccer under any condition. Todd? Since it's a growth industry right now, Exorcist. Best in the world at that. That's an inspired Just choice. Slaying demons. Yeah. And you picked golf. <laughs> yeah, I know. I kind of got I kind of got Jesus juked right there. Walked yes. right into that one, and I deserve oh, it. Yeah. Aaron's now going to go with evangelist. <laughs> right. No, actually, okay. I'm going with magic. I want to be the best wizard in the world. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I took a dark turn. I don't know what to say. I, I, I wasn't actually, sure where to go. I actually, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm glad he saved that for me. Yeah, that he went like fictional wizard because I actually thought he was going Doug Henning, and then I was like, oh, here you I were go. about to begin your yes. exorcist training yes. right yes. here <laughs> exactly. in the studio. All right, I've read a few things. Let's go. All right. Okay. I, I thought we were going to have to deal with the Aaron Rabbit in the Hat ver, uh, version of him, no, and I did not illusions. see that coming. Not the illusions, real, real magic. All right. Yeah. Now we're going someplace. Yeah. I mean, imagine. The I want to thank damage. you for all of the incredibly terrible emails I am going to receive for the next twelve hours. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Because of that. Imagine the damage I could do to the spirit of the age with a full, well-developed set of wizard skills. Harry Potter. That's what that might be. In, in real yeah. life, that's called an exorcist. <laughs> yes, that's that's yeah. kind of the same. That yes, uh, in real life, yeah. that is what it's called. All right, princess. Thank you. Thank you. All right, all right, guys. We got about forty-five seconds. Any last thoughts on the show? Uh, well, you you had to get it in at the end, but I, a second. Um, not only pray for Matt Walsh, but but learn from him. That, that's just that's a real dude there. Back him. Yeah. Defend yeah. him. You know, what have are you his prepared back. to do? Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote on Twitter last night. I, I mean, there are a lot of like, genuinely good men who for half or a quarter of what Matt has gone through um, with the threats to his family himself and now having basically his identity stolen, mm-hmm. they would have tucked their tails behind their legs and taken their families and headed for the hills. That's right. And they might have been justified in doing so. But yep. thank God for him and his wife uh, and their entire families just quite frankly, stubbornness in the face of of these attacks. That's a good way of putting it. 
Good place to end it. We're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers uh, at blazetv.com slash Dace. That's also where you can go right now to become a Blaze TV subscriber so that you don't miss it. blazetv.com slash Dace. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.